0: Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode. Because it is time to drop in. Welcome back, everyone. I have a very special guest today, Queen Kyra, as I like to call her. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. Kyra Beasley is an emotional wellness coach who helps single millennial women learn how to heal relational wounds without spiraling. And she likes to try to do that within 90 days. And she's currently offering one-on-one coaching with the hopes of launching a group program in the near future, which is definitely something we're gonna dive in and chat about. I have known Kyra for a couple years now. Oh my goodness. Right? Yeah. I so fast. Yikes. I'm like, Wait, is it really that long ago? Yes, I've known you, known you for a hot minute now, Kyra. And I have been able to really have a firsthand account, a front row seat in all of your many transformations, all of your many sheddings, your many evolutions, all of the up levels that you've been going through um, very recently. And I really feel like you are a very beautiful example of what it means to lean into answering the call to self-leadership in particular. You really have gone into the space that felt most aligned for you, even when it felt uncomfortable, even when it made other people around you uncomfortable, even though it was completely different, foreign and unfamiliar from anything that you knew, anything you grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, And just by following your own internal intuition. Um, you've allowed yourself to go down all these different roads that have led you to a beautiful place that you're in right now. So for the people who haven't had a front row seat like myself, if you could give a little bit of background information in terms of where you were at and then when you started down the path that you're on now, and what were some you know highlights or lowlights, you know, depending on what you want to share along the way?
1: Well, um, I think it all started for me when I went off to college. Um I decided to go out of state to Clark University. And at this point I'm by myself, I don't have family there. So I think that one having that distance and being far away from what I was accustomed to, it really allowed me to like question my beliefs, question why I think the way I think from um, really looking at, you know, my insecurities, my triggers everything that I was kinda like sheltering or covering up with material stuff. Because at that time I was like, oh I want I want money. I want you
0: know the <laughs> thing. I want all the luxury girl stuff. All the matrix healing, right? We're like, oh, you know, if the we the have all this universe. stuff, then that's it, right? That that fixes everything. Yeah, yeah. And then what um I
1: feel like spirit, universe, God, whatever you resonate with, <clears throat> I feel like I went through a journey where everything was taken away from me so abruptly. And then mm-hmm. I realized, holy, can I curse?
0: Oh, yeah. you. Yep. We have an explicit warning okay, right. on this podcast. So, like, let it fly, sister. <laughs> I was
1: like, holy fuck. Like, I don't know what self-love is. Because once all that got taken away, so did my identity, so did my value, so did my worth. And mm-hmm. then I realized I put all my, quote unquote, self-love into these things. And once they were gone, I realized I did not actually have it. I did not know what that meant. So that- took me down a spiral or up a spiral <laughs> uh, a journey of self-discovery and of course that leads you to different things so it's like okay I realize I don't have the self-love but let's go deeper into that like what kind of what what led to that my abandonment was, the rejection was uh, familial trauma, all of these hmm. things that led up to that one point so it's I can, I can still say even to this day I'm still unraveling you know, discovering different layers to me. Um, So I hope that answered your question. But it's yeah, so no, and
0: that's I was gonna say that's a beautiful jumping off point because I I know it's a common theme for a lot of people who identify with either, you know, having a spiritual awakening or whatever it is that you want to call it. For me, you know that. Came in the packaging of chronic illness, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was working three jobs and I had, you know, plenty of money and I was going to school and I had friends and I had all these like, you know, plans on the weekends and I was driving this, you know, car that I always wanted to have and all that kind of stuff. And then when I got really sick, I got kicked out of school. I couldn't work anymore. I couldn't, you know, have an income. So therefore I couldn't pay for, you know, said dream car. I was really dependent on other people. And when all of that external validation is stripped away from you very suddenly, you're like, "Wow, who am I if I don't have the identity of X you know job description or I'm a student or I make this amount of money or you know all my weekend plans are filled with being around other people and suddenly it's just you by your little old lonesome and you have to figure out like first of all, like who am I and also like do I even like?" Who I am once I really do take the time to get to know myself. And if you don't, what can you do to actually come more into alignment with yourself? And I love that that is a part of your story. It's a part of my story. A lot of people can relate to that. And so going back in time a little bit, when you were in this space of like, oh damn, I don't really know like who I am, you know, if I even like myself, what's going on here. Self-love is such a general term. Mm -hmm. Where did you find yourself drawn to begin your journey? Um, I think it was an an
1: accumulation of things that were happening. Mm. Uh, I want to say the first sign that I noticed it was when not only like me abruptly, like all the stuff leaving me, but also my interaction with other men. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Oops. relationships are such a mirror yes <laughs> yes so i when, once i left houston to go to atlanta for school i noticed that i wasn't getting as much attention at as i used to like i was the it girl at school so going from being yes. the it girl to like not even being paid attention to but a lot they're really out. You know, like, <laughs> you're gonna start looking in the mirror like think? what the hell were they lying to me my whole life I, like I, what the, the hell i was like <laughs> what is going on my face and changed, my body is not changed, what's happening? Um, So it went from that to also getting into the serious relationship, but then experiencing um, um having those like wounds come up again. So mm. I would say probably like, for an example, if me and the person that I was with got into an argument, a wound will come up, but it'll be reflective of my father in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Or the mother wound will show up in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's what really led me down the, the rabbit hole of trying to like really get to the root of what is that? Because I, I realized that if you don't get to the root, it's going to keep coming up over and over and over again until you actually can identify it, call it by its name and actually work through it and
0: figuring mm-hmm. out what that looks like for you. So what did you do at that time? Did you like dive into self-help books, podcasts, therapy, coaching? Like what what did you do when you were like, okay, there's something here that I need to figure out. There's something here that doesn't feel in alignment for like how I really want to live my life and be interacting relationally with other people. How do you start to get some perspective on that?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So at this time, I was really relying on YouTube videos. How yeah, do <laughs> like, everyone's got to start somewhere. And one Videos about self love. What does it look like? How do I gain it? What do I do with it? Um, and then it led from YouTube to self help books, and then actually applying it to my day to day life. And honestly, I'm not even gonna lie to you. That was 2015, 2016. It wasn't until maybe I want to say a year, about a year or so ago, where I like I was. So, uh, something happened to where I was like completely emotionally like distraught and I was sitting on the floor. I don't know why I feel very grounded when I am on the floor. I was sitting on the floor and I just gave myself a hug and I was just like really present with myself, not judging my emotions, not you know, I was just there like I was my own mom that time and yeah. then it clicked. I was like, this is self-love. This is self compassion This is what that is. It has nothing to do with how you look. It doesn't, it has nothing to do with the, the, the labels that you have, the type of job position that you have. It has nothing to do with that. All of that is like irrelevant. It has no bearing mm-hmm. on your worthiness or value as a person. So mm-hmm. when I, when I was able to sit there and just like not judge myself, not judge my emotion that came up, I was just able to really like be present and love on myself. I was like, yeah, I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. I got it. I get yeah. it now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like one of those. I like, finally understood the assignment.
1: <laughs> yeah, people can't tell you over and over again what that is, but until you actually like find yourself in that moment, it's like mind blowing. Like this mm. is what that is.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's where like we are raised in a culture and a society where we're really taught to look for things externally, right? Like you think about it like, oh, you know, it would make mommy so happy if you went to like wash your hands or like, oh, you you got straight A's? Good job. We're so proud of you. Like Mm -hmm. we're constantly seeking that outside of ourselves. Most of us did not grow up in a family where our parents were like, oh, okay. Like, do you feel like you would like to go wash your hands? It's like, yes, actually, I would. Well, awesome. You go do that for yourself. Or, oh, you know, like, how do you feel about your grades? Oh, I feel great. I feel like I tried really, really hard and I'm really proud of my grades. Awesome. I love that you feel good about, you know, what you put in to get these grades. It, we're not taught that. It's very performative. We are taught to seek that external validation. And so when we leave our family of origin, We are essentially like trained to seek external validation. And then on top of that, most of us, you know, like for as much as we can have compassion for our parents, it's not like our parents became suddenly whole healed human beings the second that they had children. They're just other human beings with their own wounds, with their own family of origin issues who happen to procreate and have children of their own. And so that's where, like, we come into the world, we're given all of this need for external validation. And then on top of that, these people who were told love us unconditionally are actually somewhat incapable of that yes. because it is really, really, really difficult to have true unconditional love for other people if we aren't able to have it for ourselves, which yeah. most people do not. And I know that, you know, you work a lot with, um, you know, women in particular, and this was something that you found yourself having a lot of mirrors relationally. So Mm -hmm. you could kind of, again, go back in time and talk a little bit more about these wounds and how you started deconstructing them a little bit so that you could, as you put it, get to the root of what was actually hanging out underneath there.
1: Yeah. Um, So I can start with my last relationship. And that's the thing about ones, you kind of have to, like, work backwards. (laughs) That's the only way for me it (laughs) works. But I want to say the person that I was with got into an argument, and it was so minuscule. But the way I felt, it felt like this person was going to up and leave me, like he was going to find somebody better. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy of having this person. That's where my mind was going. But from the outside looking in, I was like, Kyra what are you what what kind of you know so it Mm. made me it made me realize okay there's something deeper going on that I have not touched on and it's my responsibility if I want this relationship to work to kind of see like what's happening so the next day I got up the first thing in the morning I journaled my thoughts out and I think I wrote like maybe one or two pages and towards the end of it I figured that I have the abandonment one. You know, a lot of people would say jokingly, like, I got an abandonment issue. I got an abandonment issue.
0: <laughs> but I, I was like, <laughs> but for real, you, gotta, you probably do. <laughs> no, yeah,
1: I, I actually have that. Um, and it wasn't in the, I want to say, it, it wasn't in the sense that my parents weren't around or they didn't take mm-hmm. care of me. It was more so emotional abandonment. Um, yeah. And then through, through self-study, because I love psychology. So through learning about the different attachment styles, mm-hmm. I've been able to figure that, to your point, my parents were kids when they had me. They were like 20. <laughs> yeah, right. <grow. laughs> still trying to grow and learn. Um, They still had wounds that they hadn't worked. Still to this day, they still have what they they hadn't worked through. So having me was kind of like, okay, what are we going to do to feed our child? They didn't have mm. the capacity nor the space to hold for me emotionally. So right. there was more so about, okay, she needs to get into school. She needs to eat. She needs to have clothes on her back. There was no space for that. So that's where my compassion for them comes in. But mm-hmm. I also had to teach myself that the warmth that I had was not a reflection upon me. It wasn't anything that um, was... That I should internalize. It didn't mean that I wasn't worthy of having good parents. It, it didn't mean that I wasn't valuable. And it, the same applies to this relationship. It does not mean that I don't deserve the best partner that I can be with. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sorry. I have so many squirrels in my mind.
0: <laughs> um, it's okay. That's what happens. We open the portal, you get in the vortex, yeah, and it all down, comes in. All kind of downloads
1: <laughs> come down- so yeah, that's, that's what made me go down that, that hole to figure mm-hmm. out what that route was. And it was the abandonment wound. And of course it showed up through different times of my life, not just with my parents, but I also learned how to abandon myself. Like I mm-hmm. learned how to pick up on what people needed and it became yeah. a habit. So in any environment I went into, I was able to camouflage and oh. who people needed me to be. And that's where I got my validation. And I started to, I don't know when I started to realize it, but I realized I wasn't myself. And Mm -hmm. it's like, duh, you've been fitting into other people's,
0: you know, perception Mm -hmm. of who you are, but it's not who you really are. Right. Because you don't know who you really are. And I think that is a very common narrative that I hear a lot, especially when I work with people who identify as the millennial generation, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of that does come from the fact that our parents, right? Because I'm a millennial as well, like our parents were doing a little bit better than their parents in terms of like okay like we're maybe like not going to like hit you or anything mm-hmm. but we also don't necessarily have the tools or the skills to intend to you emotionally and this is where it ends up being a little bit of a mind fuck because we think back and we're like okay we weren't neglected we weren't abused our parents cared about us they showed up to our sports games they gave a shit about our grades we always had new clothes for school a house to live in you know maybe our parents like bickered with each other, but there wasn't like domestic violence or anything like that. And it was good, right? Like it was good. But then like, why am I having all of these issues? And I have been talking to a lot of my therapy and coaching clients about what it actually means to be an emotional orphan, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a term that literally just like came through to me one time when I was working with someone and I've been using it ever since because you can have two very physically Present parents who are again checking all the boxes, and they're checking all the boxes that they think they are, you know, supposed to check. Yeah. But then there is this conscious emotional attentiveness that they do not have the capability or capacity to provide. And that's where you're left feeling like. Abandoned, right? You're left feeling like an orphan. Yeah. But you're not a physical orphan. You're an emotional orphan. Nobody was there to actually be like, well, Kyra, like, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Well, Kyra, I know that so and so just broke up with you. How, how are you? dealing with that what can i do to help you sit with this grief or or cry right how many of us were told like don't cry knock it off stop that stop your temper tantrum um I was like cry about <laughs> right or yeah or i'll give you something to cry about it. and it it's this whole idea that like we're too busy checking all these boxes to actually like deal with you as an emotional being like we don't we don't have time and space for that. Like we're you know double income, right? Most most people are double income. Their parents are working. They're taking care of a house. Like I don't even have children right now. And I say to my partner all the time, I'm like, where is there space like for like where is there space for kids? Like I don't There's understand, no you know. And I think I we just had a conversation the other night where I'm like, if I'm going to continue to work as a therapist, like I don't know where I'm supposed to have like emotional capacity for my children, right? Mm -hmm. Because my job's emotional labor. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I'm very invested in breaking that cycle of not having the capacity or the space to emotionally attend to my children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. Um, From, like you said, this being your career, but also I'm very, very big on personal development and like self-development. So just me being open to everybody, including myself, just thinking about bringing a child into this world fears the hell out of me. <laughs> it really does, which um, I feel like is healthy.
0: I feel like that's a healthy response to becoming a parent.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, it's not a passive thing. Like, yet, yeah, and I, I'm not gonna lie, it's one of the, one of those things that gets on my nerves when people like passively, oh, "I want like six second kids." Like, great if that's your calling, but like, seriously, like, really think about your reasoning behind wanting so many the kids like mm-hmm. you really have to be very attentive They're it's not they're not going to be babies forever you have you have to mold them into and g- help them grow into their own autonomous being which a lot of people have attachments and i and i guess it's easier for me to say because i don't have any kids but a lot of parents have attachments to their child and if that child isn't grown or molded into who they want them to be it's kind of like ditto like you know it's a mm-hmm. disappointment um And I feel like that's that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that once you deliver that baby, it has to grow into whatever it's already
0: meant to be. Right? Yeah, Yeah. and and I think that that's something where like we are taught kind of that babies come into this world as complete blank slates. But if you are a spiritually minded person, you know, the belief there for most people is that that baby's coming in here with a soul that probably had, you know, a ton of past life experiences and most definitely like has a purpose here and like their personality and their, you know, astrology and all these different things were like divinely chosen to help them carry out that mission and that soul purpose. Um, and that like, that is my personal belief. And so like all we really need to do as parents or as guardians or stewards of this soul is to help give them the environment they need to actualize and become what they already are. We don't need to like, yes, we need to teach them how to do like human stuff, right? Yeah. Because they're, it's their first time driving the meat suit vehicle yeah. Um, or maybe their first time in a while. But other than that, like we actually have so much wisdom to gain from children. And I know that that's also a big part of what has kind of influenced your work as well, because you do work around kids and you do yeah. see them as sovereign beings and you do learn so much from the young souls that you're constantly in relationship to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being around them for eight hours a day uh, <laughs> definitely made me question whether or not kids were in my near future. Um, I don't mind being the auntie. I really don't. I really don't. But then again, my mind always changes, so I'm always open to, you
0: know, whatever I feel in the line with at the moment. <laughs> mm, yeah, and I think that's also where you know it it really comes into doing enough of your own work so that when that soul comes to you um, you can really step out of the way, right? Like it's, it's a lot of it is ego where we think like, Oh, our children are part of us or they're a representation of us or an extension Mm -hmm. of us. Like your child, you know, comes through you, but it's not an extension of you. It's, you know, a child is its own sovereign autonomous being. And I think that, you know, being a family therapist for many, many, many years, that was always, one of the most difficult things for me when I would see this bright, beautiful, gorgeous soul and it was just being snuffed out and stifled and suppressed and suffocated because the family mold, right? Like that child did not fit into that family mold and they were refusing to kind of accept that child unconditionally and see them for who they really were. Um, and I think that's where, again, a lot of this was done very unconsciously to a lot of people who identify as millennials in mm-hmm. particular because like conscious parenting was not a thing when we were growing up. Like not. maybe it was in like some outstretched, you know, far community. But like our parents didn't have TikTok and Instagram and Facebook groups to like help them be like, oh my gosh, like maybe there's a different way to do things. And so now, you know, we as millennials who do have access to all of that stuff, we're like looking back on our childhood and we're like, oh, wow. Wow. They like definitely really, really loved me, but also really thought they were doing me a favor by telling me who to be. Mm -hmm. And so then that's where like, okay, if who they told me to be isn't who I am, who am I?
1: Yeah. What what am I doing here? Why am I (laughs) (laughs) What am I? Seriously. What is what is the purpose of all this? And that's that's really what it boiled down to. That was really one of the questions the first questions I had when I started my journey was what is the purpose of all this? Mm, why, Mm. like, why
0: is this here? Why am I here? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that comes up for a lot of people, but they don't, they don't finish the sentence. They don't finish the thought. They don't, right. It's just kind of like, why am I here? What's the point of all this? (laughs) What is the meaning of life? Right. And it's like, okay, but how do we actually find those answers? And I think that that is actually where we really have to change that lens from an outward lens to an Inward lens, and knowing that the more we're able to learn how to sit with ourselves and look within ourselves and ask those questions of ourselves, the more clarity we will actually get. And where, you know, because I know that, again, like your intuition, your ability to channel all that kind of stuff, that was not something that was really nurtured in, you know, your family of origin, but it's something that is very strong in you. So how did you start to learn to turn that lens inward?
1: Well,
0: so the journey started
1: in 2016. I want to say when when I got into the corporate job that I had, I remember telling you about mm-hmm. um, that led me to another way of like, Okay, there was two times in my life where everything was stripped away. This was the second biggest time that everything was stripped away. But this mm-hmm. time, like, I'm talking, when I say everything, I was living out of a suitcase. ID was taken, social security was taken, registered certificate was taken. All of those things were stolen. So I literally was in Atlanta with a friend, a roommate. thank God for that, for her. Um, mm-hmm. But I was literally an alien on earth because i I couldn't do anything i couldn't find work i couldn't you need one thing to find the other so it took about like three months to get all of my documents secured and back to me wow so for three months i literally could not do anything i had to sit in the house so once all of that happened that's when the questions why am i here what is what is this for like i really don't want to be here not in a suicidal sense Yeah. yeah not in that sense but i was just like i don't like what buy my ear and that that's what led me to go to Gaia.com I don't know if you know what that is yeah yeah Gaia, YouTube. I
0: think that was Gaia if you would like to sponsor the podcast
1: <laughs> I, I would love to be a brand ambassador if you have if that if that's a thing um but I guess YouTube was picking up on the type of topics that I was honing in on and that's when Gaia mm-hmm. came up
0: and so I got to love the, the sacred algorithm, right? <laughs> the divine intervention of the algorithm, right?
1: Right. <laughs> so I took on the seven day free trial and I just sat down and I was like, I'm going to explore the things that I'm, that I want to know. At first, I was scared about, you know, whether God or not, God was real or not, or what is God? What exactly is the universe? What do you, what do people mean when they say spiritual? Like, what does all this stuff mean? At first, I was like, you know, Super religious, super Christian. So a lot of those things were, like, kind of frowned upon. You should, you know, ask those type of questions. But at that point, I literally had nothing to lose. Literally, really, I, everything was taken. So I was every, like... Every, you
0: had already lost everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it can't
1: get any worse than this. Like, I mean, the worst it could be is of me out on the street. But, I mean, I had people on text before that could even happened. happen. So I was just like, you know what? I'm already on, like, ground zero. Fuck it. I'm gonna question it. I'm gonna like see mm-hmm. what it is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask all the questions that I want to ask. So I gave myself permission to dive into to those topics, and but also being like, I heard the saying that said, uh, "Observe your thoughts." I'm um, not absorb. You know what I mean, observe your mm-hmm. thoughts, but don't.
0: Yep. So yeah. I
1: went in with the same intention as far as like looking into the information. I didn't want to be an information junkie and just taking all this information, but I wanted to. I followed myself to different ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's what really helped me. I was like, I lost everything already. I might as well go down this to see like what, what else is out there and broaden my horizon. And I yeah. probably was the biggest lesson. It was, it was tough as shit. <laughs> Those three months, but it was like, I would, I don't think I'll be here. I yeah. would, I don't think I'll be coaching if.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's where we really, most of the time, you know, as human beings, it is very rare that I hear somebody's story where there isn't a extreme time period of like discomfort or pain or suffering or rock bottom or multiple episodes of that because if things are going well, why would we do something different? And I think that that's where like, there is such beauty in crisis. There is such beauty in rock bottom because it really does give you that permission to be like, well, what do I have to lose? Or the way that I was doing things like clearly wasn't really like working out for me. So like, what else is there? What other directions can I take my life in? And we are wired as human beings to avoid what's uncomfortable, right? Like we do not naturally go towards the unknown. We don't naturally go towards questioning. We're actually actively taught not to question things. Um, You know, how many people's parents are like, you know, you're like, why? And they're like, because I said so, because I'm your mom or because I told you so. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, we're really taught like not to question things. And so sometimes it really, really takes a huge event to make whatever current reality you're in so uncomfortable that the discomfort of change is slightly less than whatever reality you're living in. So it makes it so much easier to go and go into the unknown, to expand your consciousness, to start to ask those questions. And that's why like, when things seem to fall apart or not fall together, or I don't get what I want, um, now I'm in a place where when those things happen, I'm like, okay, well, what else is here? Yeah. What other questions do I get to ask? What other path is there here for me? Um, I very, very rarely, I'll get upset, you know, for like a little bit. I'm still a human being, mm-hmm. but then I'm able to zoom out fairly quickly to be like, all right, so that wasn't, that wasn't the thing, but that means that there's something that's even more in alignment or there's yes. something that's even better fit or a greater um, opportunity for me. And I'm willing to be open to receiving that. Whereas before, or like even like my younger version of myself was like, no, it's going to go this way. Like, this is my plan. Um, And I know that that's something that you can relate to as well. Just (laughs) having lots of plans and then having them not necessarily pan out the way that you had anticipated.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I was just about to say, that's something I'm actually kind of still struggling with is adapting and to change in the ebb and flow of life. Because um, to your point, I like being able to predict, okay, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But universe is predictable at all. So I'm still have, having to learn how to be in that feminine energy that we talked about a couple months ago. Mm. Um, and where was I going with this? Squirrel. I had a squirrel moment. Sorry. <laughs> so, but, I, but I'm still, um, having to learn how to accept that just because things don't plan out doesn't mean it's like end all be all. There's still mm. more to explore and there's still more to touch on. Um, especially since I'm. I'm so young. Like, there's still so- Yes, fun. you are, Kyra. Yes, yes. you are. <laughs> Reminding myself that I'm, I'm only 26. I just turned 26 in October last year.
0: Which I forget about all the time because, like, you're very wise. You're very, very wise. Like, I, when I talk to you and when I see the things that you share, I'm like, okay, this is, she's 66, not 26, right? Like, at least. At least. Right. Um, not, th- not that you look it. You don't look a day over 16. But, like- Truly. I think that it's really amazing when you very much know that like you're an old soul, that you have kind of like come here and you have a lot of things that all you need to really do is like remember, right? Like you're not necessarily learning a lot of new things. They might feel new to you as, you know, your, your human self in this iteration of life. But like, I know when I come across what I call like capital T truths, like those things that feel like really, really true to me, Yeah, it really does feel like more of a memory than anything else. It really, my body's like, oh yeah, duh. Like, of course, that's how it works. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, and it's like, I knew it before, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know it before, or at least like not, you know, this time around. Um, And being able to listen, because I know that that's something that you've really actively been working on is being able to be quiet enough to listen, to listen to your spirit guides, to listen to your intuition, to listen to your higher self, to listen to yourself, that you had a lot of noise in your life, a lot of other people's voices. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'd love if you could talk a little bit about the risks that you've taken so that you can actually be in a better position to listen to yourself and your own voice?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, bef- when I became a coach and I decided to hone in on tarot readings, um, of course it made the people that I was living with uncomfortable because they didn't understand it. Um, so to the, from the outside looking in, it looks like I'm going. Type of like witchcraft or like I'm doing the devil's work. Which no, no shame to witchcraft. Like do your thing. Like I'm all here for all the crafts, Um, (laughs) all the crafts, (laughs) crafts. arts and crafts, and the witchcraft. All crafts. Um, But they they just didn't understand it, and I felt like just being in that type of environment where I don't, I didn't feel like my purpose was really nurtured, really acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if it wasn't going the way that my mom wanted it to go, if it wasn't, it did if it didn't look like the American drink, like go to school, get a job, da-da-da, da-da-da, if it did not look like that, it was like, okay, girl, what you doing with your life? And, and I really internalized that because I was already feeling very insecure about my capabilities of being a coach mm-hmm. and a healer and to be able to make that a full-time thing. Um, so it kind of just fed into that. And it just got to the point where we were having like a lot of disagreements about like what I should do with my life. And I was just, I just knew that it was time for me to get my own spot. And honestly, you kind of push the green button for me. Because <laughs> when we were on the phone, I remember you saying in order for you to be the woman that you're talking about being in order to make this a, a real thing, you're going to have to go into an environment where you are nurtured in that way. And... I just put it in my head, like, okay, I have to move out. I need to move out. I mean, aside from it being that time to move out, because I was, like, 24, 25, um, aside from it being that time, it was just, I wasn't being nurtured, I, and I needed mm-hmm. to be able to bet on myself. And thankfully, opportunities, uh, financial opportunities aligned for me to be able to do that. Um mm-hmm. But once I moved out of that environment, I suddenly started to feel unmotivated to do anything. I like I I didn't want to be on live. I didn't want to, I just really wanted to like take in the moment to be here. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I realized like the word popped up to me, um, what what is it called? It's um trauma drives. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, it's then let me look it up. It is kind of like those capital T, those capital truth moments that you had. Yeah. I often come across these words in my mind, like it's like a download. It's like trauma jobs. Like, what is that a real thing? Is that like a, a a word that's in the mental health field? And lo and behold, it was. So I think I was driven by getting out of the house, wanting to prove the people around me wrong, having to mm-hmm. constantly defend my choice um, for being the coach that I want to be. I'm um, having to constantly... Say that you know what I'm doing is not the devil's work. If anything, I'm doing the Lord's work. Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> um, but just me being in my own environment, being able to set the tone for myself, and not having to feel like I had to constantly prove myself, it was like a really a breath of fresh air. And I, honestly, yeah. it was kind of scary. So I felt like, wait yeah. a minute, do I want to do this anymore? And it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. It was just I had to change the way I was being motivated. It, it was, right. I was no longer driven by the the voices in my head, or not not in my head, but in that in that environment.
0: Right, right. I had to be driven by
1: the initial call, which was mm. to help.
0: Oh yes, yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I. I actually, I'm like thinking back, I'm like, I think I should probably put a warning label on my coaching that like, you know, sessions with Amber may cause people to move out of their current living (laughs) situation because I'm like, this is actually something that has come up with you. And then several other people that I've worked with in the past year have all like taken the leap. Yeah. To like move out. Um, Either it was, you know, environments with like roommates that weren't aligned or parents that weren't aligned um, or even like, you know, they were living With a relational partner that wasn't aligned. Um, So maybe I should like lovingly put that disclaimer on my coaching <laughs> I mean, like, uh. um, but it's also interesting that you share that because every single person that I know after they did take that leap to move out they had a period of just like needing to rest needing to restore needing to integrate and needing to recalibrate because okay. we are so affected by our environment as human beings we adapt to our environment we're, we're like animals you know mm-hmm. in that way. And so if you're in a environment that feels like it is causing your nervous system to be constantly in that fight or flight state if you have a lot of boundaries that you have to have up all the time if you have to have a big energetic bubble for yourself if you're constantly having to defend yourself or prove other people you know, wrong, that energy really, really, it's going to affect how you exist in the world, how you work with your clients, how you, you know, exist in relationship to your gift, to your calling, to your purpose. It's really going to affect everything. It's pretty impossible to be aligned in an unaligned environment or a misaligned environment. It's really freaking hard. And so when we create that space for ourselves to really be in an environment that feels peaceful and calm and grounded and you can really come back to center. It takes a minute, right? To recalibrate your nervous system. Absolutely. But then it's also really beautiful because to your point, you're purpose, your drive, your motivator for why you're doing what you're doing, you can get it out of that, okay, well, I'm going to be successful because like, fuck you, mom, (laughs) like, you know, like, whatever, like, I'm going to show you like that. That's not the energy. That's not the vibe. Like we're coming into this with like, you know, open hearts and compassionate energy, but if you feel like you're constantly like in defense mode. It's really hard to be, you know, open hearted. It's really hard to allow yourself to be in that receptive energy because you don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, um so being able to put yourself in an environment whether it's moving out on your own i have you know somebody that i know that like sold everything and moved into a van you know it it really is different for everyone but that is definitely a part of leadership is making sure that your environment is conducive and also Uh, supportive to the work that you're being called to do because you being out of alignment, like it's really going to affect the way that you serve, support, and show up.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think um, the biggest thing that I learned from it was I think I, I learned how to not shame myself for wanting rest. But since we live in this whole hustle culture where if you're not Working every hour of the day, you're pretty much worthless. And it, with, with the way my mom raised me, it was very much go to school, go to work, have top notch grades. That's, that's your worthiness right there. And honestly, mm-hmm. I remember her saying, like, when I left school, that you pretty don't, pretty much don't have anything unless you don't,
0: you have a degree. And yeah, it's <laughs> also very common for a lot of millennials, right? Like we all have astronomical student loan debt and are not making anywhere near what we need to to pay it off.
1: <laughs> like it, it's not making sense. It, it does not make sense at all to even spill that kind of rhetoric. But I get where she was coming from because she was coming mm-hmm. from a place of protection and yeah. fear. Absolutely, really. right. Fear for her daughter that may not amount to what she wants. to <laughs> to the that up to. But it, it taught me how to not, Be ashamed of rest. Like, if the plants and the animals get to rest, why don't I, as a human that is interconnected with everything else, why don't I get to rest? Why don't I still feel, get to feel valuable? I'm just as valuable, if not more, because I'm taking care of myself.
0: Ugh. Yes. I think that is so important, especially when we are in the energy of serving and supporting other people. Because if your battery is not charged up and you're showing up for somebody and you're like half charged or distracted, or like you haven't done your practices to feel grounded and aligned, then like, to me, that's unethical. You're showing up and you're not going to be in alignment. There's no way that you can be in integrity. You're so much more likely to be activated, triggered to, you know, Feel de- defensive. Um, and, you know, and that's not to say that we can't have off days or bad days and still show up for work. We're human beings, but making sure that you're doing that work on a regular basis. So, for the most part, you are, you know, you're grounded, you are in that sense of peace and calm. People come to me all the time and they're like, I, you know, I don't know why I'm not happy all the time. I'm like, do we think that that's realistic to be happy all the time? Happy is an up here emotion. Yeah. Right. Like that's, you want to be up here all the time. That's just another version of nervous system, right? Dysregulation. Right. When we're thinking about what is actually sustainable for our nervous system, like contentment, contentment is a fabulous goal. Like, you know, I was driving to uh, see a wedding venue with my fiance this morning and we're in the car and I'm like, how are you? And he's like, I'm okay. And he's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm Okay. Right. And I feel like so many times people answer that way and they're like, oh, just OK. Like there's something wrong. Yeah. With being just OK. And it's like, no, it's it's OK to be just OK.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, honestly, I used to be one of those people when I was in college. I didn't want to have like a contempt lifestyle. I didn't want to. I wanted the big, the bad. the Right. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Bridge. Show it you know I mean? off. Right. <laughs> it, it, but it's not until like you hit that wrong bottom where you feel like being content is really a blessing. Mm, mm -hmm. It really is all you need. And honestly, I had to tell myself that, okay, well, why do you want all of these things? Because they're not going to bring you what you think it's going to bring. It brings you the feeling, but you can also bring in that feeling without having those things. Mm, You can bring mm -hmm. in the feeling of luxury
0: without having it. Yeah, that is so true. And I think that that is one of the Beautiful pieces of social media that I see, like, because we could, you know, debate all day about social media pros and cons and goods and bads and whatever, but like seeing what is rich, what is luxury, what is, you know, the best life for different people is a really cool thing that social media has brought into my world because. We're generally shown what that looks like through the eyes of consumerism, right? It's like TV, movies, commercials, advertisements, all that kind of stuff. And so that is obviously going to promote this energy of more, 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 more. You need to have more, 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 more in order to be happy. But then now, you know, being able to connect with other human beings via social media, I can see that there's somebody living in a shack, you know, on a remote farm in the middle of Minnesota. And, you know- amongst the cows and they are super freaking happy because that is what feels so good and so in alignment and so rich and luxurious to them. And that's where like, oh my gosh, like we get to decide. And that was something that you and I had talked about a little bit where like you really took back your power in terms of like deciding what does that look like and feel like for you? Because you are a girl where you like to go get glitz and gland up and be over the top. But like, you know, you've also like, you know, to keep it a little bit, you know, homebody down to earth, like hang out in the sweatpants and all that stuff. And like, you felt like you could only show up one way Mm -hmm. or you weren't, like going to be um able to call yourself a leader or to you know have people see you as an authority or as an expert or you know people want to work with you as a coach because you had to like give this certain lifestyle yeah. and you were able to give yourself permission to really step back and figure out what felt true for you. And yeah, there's, no, oh, there's a little bit of luxury. If you go over to Kyra's page, which I highly recommend you do, you're going to, you're going to see some Beyonce moments over there. <laughs> um, you know, but there's also you just like chilling and being like very, very real fresh face talking to the people and like letting them know what's up when it comes in and on your mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I really have to appreciate you for. Cause you, I remember we had so many moments. <laughs> I'm so glad I met you. Um, but I remember you saying, like, you're so caught up in the meat suit. Don't worry about the meat suit. The people who resume are going to come to you. They're not going to be fades with the meat suit. Like, obviously, if you put a little bit more effort into your looks, you might get more traction. But I think that the work that we're doing is so soulful that mm-hmm. it goes beyond what you can physically see. And the people mm-hmm. who get stuck by the physical part may not be in alignment with the program anyway. So what are you really missing? Mm-hmm. Not much. The message Mm -hmm.
0: to resonate anyway. Yeah. And I think that that's where I really love hearing that you have found yourself gravitating towards supporting millennial women in particular, because I think that this is a huge, I mean, it's a huge wound for a lot of us, but I think, you know, that- Generation, um, And then also, you know, just for people who identify as female, like that is something that really comes into play in terms of like not being valued if mm-hmm. you don't look a certain way, if you don't present a certain way. Um, and that is a really tough piece to combat. So when you're working with your clients on that identity piece and really helping them find what feels true for them, what are some exercises or different things that you like to help people kind of uh, stretch their minds a little bit so that they can dig deep and find out what's in alignment for their unique truth?
1: Well, as you know... As you may know, my coaching style is uh, very question-oriented. I don't like uh, trying to put my thoughts into others because I feel like it's mm-hmm. kind of like yep, <laughs> making them come up with the answer, but I want them to answer it for themselves, kind of give themselves that coaching experience. So I'm just here as a vessel to ask you the question. Whatever your answer is, trust that it's your authentic answer. So one of the questions I always ask is, who are you? Side note, but without the label of a mom or wife, uh, corporate baddie without the Instagram followers. What are you? Aside from all of that, just mm. you, your first name, if you resonate with your first name, mm-hmm. just you, who are you? And they can't answer it. Yeah. And then when they try to answer it is, Oh, well, you know, it, it always goes back to. Something about being on an honor roll or something about being a great mom.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So like that utility piece. Yeah. What are you to others? Yeah.
1: It's great that you are all of these things. But again, if those things were taken away, which I'm grateful for that experience, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to answer that or ask that question if I didn't have it for myself. Mm -hmm. But if everything was if all of that was taken away. If you got fired from your job, if God forbid anything happened to your loved ones, you wouldn't be able to you know mm. so what who are you and yeah. that forces them actually like you know what i don't know mm-hmm. i'm gonna go figure that out yeah whether that means like developing another hobby or like going into minutes of you know meditation having a morning routine and then those different types of things would help them like piece together who they are and then mm-hmm. also of course unlearning a lot of things that they thought they had to be in order to live and
0: survive. Yeah. And I feel like that is such an underrated piece of work for us as human beings because when you know who you are without all of the external titles, labels, narratives, things that you were told to do, supposed to be, who Mm -hmm. you exist in relationship to, who you are to them, what they need you to be, when you know who you are without all of that, It really could all go away and you're still gonna be okay. And it is a beautiful space to be in to know that, like, okay, no matter what happens to me in life, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard. I'm probably going to, you know, do some suffering over it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. I'm not going to like, you know, enjoy it. It doesn't necessarily make it easier. But knowing that no matter what it is, you have the strength to endure it. You have the resiliency to be able to recover from it. And that ultimately nothing that happens to you, from you, around you is going to take away what you know to be true about who you are. And that is something that it's Really, the most grounding practice. I think you know, when we talk about grounding practices, you know it's great to go walk in the dirt and you know meditate yep. on a copper blanket or you know like whatever whatever grounding things that you like to do. Go eat root some root vegetables. like that's all amazing. But in terms of like actually being rooted and grounded, identity work is one of those beautiful pieces where we actually get to take our soul self and really fuse it. With our physical self, yeah. right? And once you kind of have that beautiful interconnectedness between like who you are as a soul and then how you're presenting in this meat suit, eh, ain't nobody gonna shake you down. Like nobody's yeah. gonna like take anything away from you. There's nothing that cool. can happen to you that's going to change or affect that. And that is fucking powerful. Like that is so powerful. And I think <laughs> so many of us live in fear. Because of what could happen if, you know, oh my gosh, what if my spouse leaves leaves me or somebody dies or I lose my job? Yeah, because you're afraid of that because you don't know who you are without it or Mm -hmm. without that person or without that role, without that job. You know who you are without all that stuff? it can go like yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's it might be a big deal it might affect you know your like living situation and different things like that it's not not a big deal but it's not a crisis type of big deal and so we're able to actually have so much more nervous system regulation mm-hmm. as a result of doing that identity work and i think that's the underrated piece that people don't understand when we're making that connection between identity work and self-love and self-acceptance and then yeah. what that actually does for how we get to exist and live in the world and be in relationship to things. Like, that's that's the money right there. It's, you know, because people are like, self-love. Yeah, but like, why?
1: Yeah, why? why? <laughs> like, why do you need it? So like, I, I really encourage my clients to ask questions. Like, okay, it's fine that you believe this, but why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go go down and keep asking yourself why, why, why. And you get to the main core things. I remember when um it was final that when i completely broke up with my boyfriend and i realized we were not going to get back together mm-hmm. um i was so completely distraught again on the floor so i'm not stand floor.
0: <laughs> yes, I was like, on the damn floor any song that like references lying on the floor that is talking about kyra that's yes. all that's written for kyra <laughs> like- yeah so i'm probably
1: probably on the floor <laughs> <laughs> i was on the floor and um no, I, I I think I was in my health coaching institute program at the time, and I was like, okay, this is the time that I could use what I've been learning mm. or what I've been practicing about. So the main thing, the main thought was, uh, I don't feel valuable, I don't feel worthy of this person, right? Mm. And then, okay, said so why? Because like, he doesn't want to be with me, he doesn't want to come back to me. I thought he would come back to me by now. He hasn't. Da-da-da. Okay, um, but you still don't feel valuable. So why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and after a couple of whys, the bottom thing was, you don't love yourself. I don't love myself. I don't feel worthy of that. I don't feel valuable. I don't think I'm good enough. Um, who's going to love me mm-hmm. when I keep abandoning myself? Mm-hmm. So just yeah. keep asking ask the why, the why, the why. And don't even worry about putting it on other people, but mainly like focus on here. Like you could say he did this, he did this, or she did that. But again, you still have to deal with you at the end of the day. So what is it that you are feeling? Why Mm -hmm. are you feeling it?
0: Yeah, because even if, you know, you get down to that core why and let's say a parent, you know, told you that you know you're worthless or you know somebody like very meaningful in your life in those formative years like gave you that narrative of you're worthless it still really comes down to the feeling of oh wow like i did take that on and i feel worthless like that's always going to be at the bottom it doesn't matter how you picked it up who gave it to you where you came across it you know where it became part of your identity or your core narratives that really doesn't matter as much as like what is it that you're actually carrying yeah, and that's it's not about shame, blame, guilt, or judgment. It, it isn't about any of those things. What it's really about is being able to have that compassionate curiosity for ourselves. Um, and when we have the compassionate com- curiosity for ourselves, we can really get into a space of like, huh. Oh, wow. That's actually super unhelpful. Um and then like what work do you get to do, right? Not have to do, but what what work do you get to do then to actually shift into a way of being that feels better, that feels more aligned. It doesn't feel great to like feel like you're not valuable. So like what can we actually start doing so that we can feel valuable? And that's where, you know, I think it would be really beautiful to, you know, start working with a coach, start working with a therapist, you know, even like podcasts, self-help books, YouTube, you know, and obviously like this is where like we have to practice that art of discernment, making sure that we're working with reputable people that resonate with us and, you know, so on and so forth. Because there is a lot of internet out there and a lot of different things on it and a lot of different people with a lot of different things. Um, And so- Uh for you know the people who are listening, Kyra, I would love for you to share a little bit, just kind of like about your background, how you're working with people now, and you know if people are resonating with this, like how they can work with you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, I initially got I'm a certified holistic life coach and a health coach, um, but I decided to go more into the emotional wellness aspect because that's something that I had to help myself with. So I feel mm. like. If you have a coach or a therapist or any mental health practitioner in the field who has their fair share of experiences or stories, then they're be- better able to help you out and actually kind of shorten that time span it would take for it to- for you to do it by yourself. Right. So, um, so again, my the background is emotional wellness. I pretty much help with the abandonment ones, like betrayal, um,
0: rejection.
1: Yeah, all of that, <laughs> yeah. the injustice, all part. the big ones, and I and what i do with those wounds is i help people to obviously get to the root so that it can i won't say completely stop cuz we're never really completely healed it. that was the case like i you know um we're not really necessarily completely healed but i, I want it to be like for them minimal minimize as far as how it shows up in their careers in their daily mm-hmm. life in their relationship with their best friends or their children because that's a big right. thing as well, passing that on yeah. to the yep. children. So um, bringing about that like self-awareness part. Yeah, But I think once you are self-aware enough to begin to ask those questions, why, 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 you're in a very, actually a really good space to be able to open that portal for you to experience that such expansive healing, not only for yourself, but for the people that are around you as well. Yeah. So... um But to answer your question, if you are looking for a coach who, and this sounds like something that you'll be interested in, I am offering one-on-one coaching. Um, Real coaching is on the way, just not quite
0: yet ready. It might be by the time this episode comes out. So we'll we'll see. We'll check back with Kyra. If it's out, you can pretty much guarantee that there's going to be a link for that in the show notes. So we'll make sure to hook you up if that's kind of something that is live and happening um, when this episode comes out.
1: For sure. And I'm always talking about the... Group coaching or the programs in general on my Instagram, so they they'll be able to see whether or not I'm you know offering that. But as of right now, I'm just offering one on one coaching for uh, ninety days. Now, obviously, I don't like promoting that. Oh, you can be healed in ninety th- like just
0: right. Yeah, I was gonna say like you know, Kyra, I feel like I've taught you a little bit better than that. We like to be ethical around here. We don't be yeah. making guarantees or anything like that, but. Um, but I do think that again, like there is a lot that you can do to jumpstart somebody's awareness. You can expand your consciousness, you can get that perspective, you can really start to rewire that nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, 90 days is a beautiful container to be held in, especially if you're looking to get some support in starting to ask those questions to go a little bit deeper. Because just even being able to have that pause and not be so reactive when these wounds are activated. That right there is just such a game changer, such a life changer for so many people. Um, I know my fiance and I probably like, we don't, we like honestly barely, barely, barely fight. And a lot of it is because we're able to just kind of like take that step back and be like, ooh, Oh, something's coming up for me right now. Huh? I wonder what's coming up. Where is this coming from? Right. And we can kind of like take that time and I can come to him and say like, Hey, so like when you said this, I felt this because of this thing that happened in my past. And so I'm working through it now. And in the future, if you could maybe phrase it this way, uh, that would be very helpful for me. Um, And then we don't fight about it because, you know, I'm not just like, oh, my God, you hurt me. Like, fuck you. like um, Because a lot of that, like when we fight with people, especially people we're in close relationship to, it's because those wounds get triggered and then we feel like hurt. And so what do we do when we're hurt? We get defensive and we attack other people, you know, because it's like, oh, you hurt me. Like, how dare you? Um, And then we just get in that like, you know, it's again, it's like a subconscious feedback loop. We're just stuck repeating the same crap over and over and over again and having awareness is one of the hugest, most effective tools to be able to actually break those cycles.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's actually highlighted enough. Um, and to your point, I think that once you're in that space where you can actually take a step back, and it's not always about getting the last word because that doesn't, doesn't help either. But um, when you are triggered, when you, did get, when you do get triggered, it's about like taking a step back and saying, okay, how do I feel? Where do I feel it at in my body? What was the thought that came to mind? And so now that I'm able, now that I have these things, at least I can write about it. At least I can journal about it. And if I don't have the tools necessary to maybe um, get to the root of that, I can have a coach. I can have a therapist. I can have somebody in my corner. Just, mm. okay, well, you've jotted these things down. This is what I'm thinking it is. Am I right? Or am I, you know, how do you feel about it? Does that resonate? Mm.
0: Yeah. So right, think, and have it be more of a discussion and a conversation than like you know a, a fight or a, a huge conflict.
1: That that's very huge. I think people would would actually benefit and would see a big difference if they went about it that way, as opposed mm-hmm. to like going off and then going to the coping mechanisms of drinking the smoking, going back to the toxic ex, yada yada yada. All of these things that could have been prevented if we just okay, I'm hurt clearly. Oh, what does it <laughs> I mean? Feeling feelings. <laughs> yeah. What does this mean? And not necessarily what does it mean about me. Let's take a step back, but what what's coming up in, you know, identifying, you know, those things that could be worked on or what wor- what what it could mean, not about me, but about what I'm experiencing. Yeah. The human vessel.
0: Yeah. And it, it really is such a powerful process, you know, and this is something to your point. That can be applied to um, all sorts of things, right? Like it can be romantic relationships. It can be, you know, if you are a parent, right? Like mm-hmm. especially like young children. Young children are activating. They are going to trigger you. They are going to bring up all of your stuff. And so, being able to take a step back and be like, okay, like my toddler is causing me to feel extremely dysregulated right now. What's coming up for me? Oh, okay. Like I don't have. Control. I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not good enough. Like, I'm, you know, whatever. All these things are coming up that have absolutely nothing to do with like said toddler or their behavior. So then you need to go and do your own emotional regulation work. So you're not like taking it out on, you know, that child who is just being a freaking toddler. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like literally what they do. So I think that, again, like the work that you are helping people through is, it is such a powerful tool. And I think it's also a really beautiful place to start. Um, a lot of times, like I will say that coaching is a really good thing to do like after therapy, Mm -hmm. but in terms of the, just kind of starting to like figure out that process and gain awareness, I would say that that's something that you can do, you know, after therapy or even before, Um, as a therapist, I love when people come to session, they're like, so, (laughs) I have realized that I have some wounds and this is how it's coming out in my life. I'm like, awesome. You just saved us like okay. a year of yeah. therapy. That's brilliant. Um, thank you so much. So I really encourage all of you go check out Kyra. We are going to link all of her stuff in the show notes. Um, Kyra, where can they find you on uh, Instagram? Just so the people who are just listening can hear it.
1: Yeah. So my Instagram is B-T-H-E, H H-A-H. H e a l i u g muggle <laughs> m o g u l. So the healing Mogul,
0: Um, I'm on
1: YouTube, but I'm hardly ever consistent with YouTube. It's, you know,
0: I try. It. I try. It. So, About <laughs> different seasons, you know. There's so many platforms, hard to keep up with all of them, right? For sure. Right. So,
1: it's <laughs> You will be on amazing. YouTube
0: with this podcast, though. So, uh, yes, we'll, you'll be over there for that. And I really just thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. This was like a very expansive conversation. We you touched are. on a lot of different topics that are really important and very near and dear to my heart. Um, and it's always so just fun to be able to get in the bubble and talk with you Kyra because I feel like again like you are just getting all those good downloads and you have so many wise words to say so I really appreciate you
1: yeah thank you so much I do want to say one more thing um and I I want to emphasize the whole 90 days so the 90 days was to explain like how many you know the duration of the the program I would never ever promote that oh it can be healed in but <laughs> I think that three months is a good enough time for you to learn the tools Yeah, to jumpstart your journey to what you said. So I never, ever want to, because I'm, I'm still healing. Like, I'm still going to be, this is a lifelong work. It's not going to be something that quick and oh, I mentally, like, I wish it was like that, but it's. Um, I, I didn't want to mislead people with that. And I always make that known in every podcast or in every interview or when I'm in a conversation with a client, a potential client, always make that known. So I just wanted to clear that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think that, you know, it is important for, you know, coaches, you know, therapists, healers, you know, when we're really um, introducing some new concepts for our clients to, Ask them to give it a good commitment, right? Because especially things that are new, especially things that feel a little bit different to our nervous system, especially things that are like so unfamiliar, it's really gonna take multiple sessions. It's gonna take repetition. It's going to take, you know, practice. It's gonna Mm -hmm. take somebody holding you accountable. It's gonna take you showing up and being like, okay, this week, you know, this went great. This didn't go so great. Um, and so I too really believe that, you know, it's very important if you're going to do a deep dive like this, that you honor yourself in making that commitment to really give it the full capacity um, of what you you can do in terms of being able to make it a true shift, a true change. Um, because it really like other than, you know, if we're going to utilize some substances, repetition is like pretty much the only other way to rewire our subconscious. right? Um, So, and that's where like holding yourself to that commitment and investing in yourself in that way um, is really, really powerful. So I actually really do love that you ask people for that 90 day commitment, because I think that that's where you're going to be the most effective and they're going to be able to get the the best results from working with you.
1: Yeah. I want to give you your flowers because you were a big, Part of my transition as a coach, um, not even just as a coach, but as a person in general, you opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't realize within myself. So I greatly appreciate you. And oh, I'm not surprised. Oh, no, you're I, about to I'm make great... me tattoo. You <laughs> were a big staple in my life, and I'm so happy that I came across you.
0: Yeah, mean a lot. Oh, thank you, Kyra. It is honestly it's my it's my deep, deep honor to like support other leaders and healers. It is absolutely my sole purpose and why I am here. So just being able to have a front row seat to your journey and see you rise up and expand and the way that you are supporting the healing of other people now, it <laughs> is like uh, the most beautiful, amazing, powerful. Gift that I could ever, ever have. And I don't, you know, do this work for accolades or for anything like that or for any type of return, but being able to see the people that I help step into their power, help other people step into their power. Like that, that right there, that is really helping me to know that I am on, you know, the right path that I'm fulfilling my sole purpose. And so I really appreciate that reflection and that feedback. And I love you so much. And this was such a fun conversation.
1: I love you too. It was. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy myself.
0: There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.